Hi, I'm Yating Liu, Director of Policy at VIA. Welcome to The Dispatch, a podcast series in which we interview leaders in transportation. I'm really excited to be joined today by Nick Safuentes, Executive Director of Tri-State Transportation Campaign, one of the leading voices on transportation policy in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut metropolitan region that represents over millions of riders and commuters um, each day. I got to know Nick from being in the trenches for almost a decade of fighting against bad transportation policies in New York City and New York State and trying to get good ones passed. Thank you for joining me, Nick. Thanks, Ting, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's so it. for those listening who may be unfamiliar with Tri-State Transportation Campaign, can you tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah, sure. So Tri-State's been around for about 27 years. And we were formed when a bunch of environmentalists got together back in like 1993 and said, hey, what about transportation's share of climate change emissions? And fast forward to now, and everybody's talking about transportation's share of climate change emissions because transportation is the single largest sector contributing to climate change in the US and especially in the Northeast. So it's kind of an exciting moment to be doing what we do right now. Um, and so what we do is, you know, we have four main priorities to our work fixing our commutes, making transit fair, meeting our climate goals, and stopping pedestrian deaths. And so the way that we do our work is we run campaigns involving research and analysis. So we produce reports, white papers, policy documents, and then we use the research that we do to organize in communities, especially in transit-dependent communities, communities of color, low-income communities, to basically say, hey, we've identified some problems. Is this something you care about? Is this something we should all fight for together? And then based on that, we can engage with the media to get news coverage of our issue. We can work with policymakers to shape smart policies and budgets that protect transit and expand transportation options. Um, and that's kind of how we do our work. We've had a lot of successes recently. You know, we won congestion pricing in New York. We've won a full bus network revamp throughout New York City. We have a forthcoming bus network revamp in New Jersey. We've won a commitment from both uh, the MTA and New Jersey Transit to commit to having a fully electric bus fleet um, in the coming years. So, you know, lots of good stuff in the last couple of months for us. That's such a good reminder of some of the recent, you know, victories and progress made um, on the transportation front for a more sustainable and equitable future. I think, Nick, it feels like COVID-19 has really wiped away all the recent transport, some of those victories in our region lately as, as transit agencies and the sources of funding, you know, at, at the city and state and federal levels have all taken a nosedive. Um, and, and being a, an advocacy group um, that has a hand in both organizing and policy and, and directly engaging with uh, elected officials and policymakers, what are the top three pressing transportation issues in the, in the tri-state region that you think every commuter should be you know, calling their elected officials about at, at this point in time? Well, you put it well, I think, Ting, when you said, you know, that this COVID has seemed to like wipe away all of the transportation victories. I mean, congestion pricing is on hold. Um, the bus revamps that I talked about, those have been put on pause. The electrification stuff, that all depends on capital dollars. And right now, you know, a lot of agencies, the MTA and New Jersey Transit included, are looking at using capital dollars to try and cover operations costs where it's allowed by law. So yeah, a lot of what we've worked really hard for is kind of at risk right now. 
And it really all comes down to federal funding. I mean, if there are, you, I'm going to cheat a little. You asked me to name like three transportation issues that commuters should call their elected officials about. It's like there's really, if we're talking about three, it's federal funding, federal funding, and federal funding. Basically, you know, here's the problem. The MTA needs $10.9 billion with a B to get through the next year. Uh, New Jersey Transit needs $2 billion. Uh, the Port Authority, which, you know, provides path service, um, as well as, you know, tolls, bridges, airports, et cetera, they need $3 billion. So the entire region's infrastructure and transit is at risk of grinding to a halt. And if we don't get the funding we need from the federal government to help us over this hurdle, um, basically transit as we know it might cease to exist. Like, we'll enter a death spiral. As service gets cut, more and more people will say, well, I can't rely on transit, so I'm never going to take it. And they'll instead get in personal automobiles. And when we do that, our roads will clog to a dead stop. And transit will continue to have declining revenues to the point where it just can't run anymore. Um, and that's a huge, huge crisis. So we need federal funding for transit operations now. And then the other thing we should be talking to our elected officials about at the federal level is, you know, we need an infrastructure package that's gonna rebuild the region too, like the Gateway Tunnel. You know, those tunnels under the Hudson are at risk of being so degraded that we can't use them anymore. And that's a major link for commuters and for freight throughout the entire region. So we run this major risk of those tunnels going down and the Trump administration has held up rebuilding them for their entire term in office. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's um, you know, really sobering to hear at this point that so many of the region's commuters really need the federal government to come through and, and save these critical um, transit uh, agencies and, and services that, let's not forget, were the lifeline to essential workers uh, to get to and from work um, at, at a time when communities were reeling, you know, in this region from COVID. So I, I just find it, you know, kind of almost ironic too, that like we asked essential workers to help communities sustain itself. They overwhelmingly depended on transit. And now that transit, you know, is in need of help, you, you, would, you would think that the federal government would, would reciprocate and recognize just how critical transit has, has been and what a lifeline it has provided to communities and essential workers during this time. Yeah, that's actually been the worst part of all this is that, you know, you have these, all these communities where the death rate and the rate of serious COVID, um, you know, comorbidities is so much higher. Um, and, and these are the people who are on transit. These are the folks who are, you know, nurses and home health care aides and grocery store workers. And they relied on transit throughout the worst of the pandemic. They're still relying on transit. And it's basically the federal government giving them the finger. They're basically saying, well, yeah, thanks for your sacrifice. We're not even going to do the bare minimum for you right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess I wanted to sort of pivot and ask you sort of what you think the role of, of the sort of private sector is in terms of getting all of us out of this time and, and saving transit and maybe even thinking about sort of what the future of public transit look like. So, for example, you know, I think MTA, to their credit, they have somewhat seemed to embrace the help of the private sector through this sort of transit tech lab innovation challenges, where they're asking private sector and tech companies to come and try to solve different types of um, problems that they're grappling with, uh, you know, through their system. 
how do you see public transportation uh, fundamentally changing after the pandemic? Um, and, and do you see on-demand transit or, or other types of innovations really, you know, playing a role in, in what sort of I've been calling kind of transit 2.0? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a, a tremendous amount of room right now for innovation, for public-private partnerships, and for private companies to play a role in an overall transportation network for the region, right? Like, we, we clearly have to do something to blunt the impact that everybody's saying, oh, I don't wanna be on transit anymore, I'm gonna hop in my private car and drive, um, that that's gonna have for the, for the region. So um, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, the partnership for New York City came out with an estimate that showed that just existing traffic conditions, so pre-pandemic traffic conditions were costing New York like $13 billion a year in lost productivity. Um, imagine if we have even just a fraction of you know, the 10 million daily rides in our region uh, on transit converting to car use. Like everything's just gonna grind to a halt. Um, so to answer your question, it's like, I think there's two ways of looking at it. You know, in, in one sense, the future of public transit is in some ways a lot like its current state, but with protocols in place to make it cleaner and safer. Um, we did a report, um, we called it Back on Board. Um, and we looked at, and we talked to um, a bunch of epidemiologists, social scientists, behaviorists, engineers, et cetera, and a lot of research into preprint and um, published studies looking at what does coronavirus actually do with regard to transit. And our findings are pretty stark. Basically, transit can be made safe. If people wear masks, if uh, the right cleaning procedures are put in place, if there's ventilation, if we reduce touch points, you know, the places where you physically touch things on the system, um, transit can be made pretty safe. And if you look at like Vienna, Paris, Tokyo, um, these are cities that have had high ridership through the pandemic and yet not a single outbreak of COVID um, was traced back to their systems. And so the question for us is, can we do the same thing here? Now, I think the answer is yes, but if we don't get the federal funding we need, this is totally moot. There won't be much transit to speak of, and then it really won't matter all that much. Um, but, you know, as long as we are uh, working to make sure that we're upgrading transit to be safe, it will be safe, not just in this pandemic, but, you know, I think we can pretty confidently say we can start to protect against future pandemics as well. Um, so, you know, we need things like more ventilation, uh, you know, better communication systems, communications-based train control so the trains can run every 60 to 90 seconds. You know, the better services, the more social distancing you can do on a train. Um, so in that sense, public transportation isn't going to change dramatically. But then there's another sense, I think, to your transit 2.0 point where transit really actually does have to change um, pretty substantially. And the biggest way to rethink this is, I think, at the level of the streetscape. You know, we have been for months now living in this terrible pandemic reality. And if there's one silver lining that has emerged from it, it's basically like, oh, hey, our streets, they don't have to be clogged with cars all the time, right? Like we can have outdoor dining. We can have more temporary bike space. Hey, maybe we should make that permanent. We could have more bus lanes. So we need to rethink how we allocate our street space. And there's a huge role for the private sector to play. I mean, like, let's just talk about like pooled rides for just a minute. You know, the, the model of, you know, Via and Uber pool, et cetera. The more people we have in shared vehicles, the fewer vehicles there are on the road in total. Does that alleviate our congestion problem? Absolutely. And then, so you got things like that. You've got things like e-bikes, e-scooters, mopeds, all these things that have taken off in New York City and in the region recently. We really have to double down on that stuff, make it safer, 
provide the street space for it, and really think about what a, a future for the region looks like with more and more people shifting out of cars and onto new modes of transit. And so that's the big, big role, I think, for the private sector to play is to help shape that future. Thank you, Nick. It's been sobering to get your perspective on the hard work ahead to save public transit in our cities. But necessity is the mother of all invention, and we look forward to amplifying the great advocacy work you and the team at Tri-State Transportation Campaign are doing. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I encourage everyone who tuned into our chat with Nick to check out even more of our interviews with transit leaders around the world. Have a great day. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Ting.